Mona. No. Jälla, keskustellaan vähän. No niin, jälla, jälla viina. Tämä on Parfyymin tuulahdus. Podcast suomalaisesta arabinaiseudesta. Mä olen Mona Eid. Ja mä olen Koko Hubara. Tässä jaksossa meillä on vieraana Lähi-idän ja islamin tutkimuksen apulaisprofessori Mulki Al-Sharmani Helsingin yliopistosta. Jatketaan keskustelua mustuudesta ja antimustuudesta arabiyhteisöissä. Can you tell a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, okay. So my name is uh, Mulki Al-Sharmani. Um, I am an associate professor of uh, Islamic and Middle Eastern Studies at the University of Helsinki. Until last year, I was the lecturer of Islamic theology at the Faculty of uh, Theology. Um, uh, I come from different cultures and backgrounds. Um, so I was born to a Somali, a Yemeni Somali father and a Somali mother. Uh, I grew up in Egypt, uh, and then I moved after that, and I, um, and then part of my family through through education as well as marriage as well as migration uh i've become also a u.s citizen so and i have that part of my family as well and uh, i moved to finland 11 years ago and um, i am uh, married uh, to an american uh, of a finnish background Uh, and uh, who's also finished now <laughs> and i have a son uh, who has all these different cultures he's uh, 22 years old and studying now in college and so that gives you a hint about my age <laughs> <laughs> do the math <laughs> try to at least yes <laughs> it's interesting how like in many senses you are in many diasporas as well yes from parents uh, generation from your own generation yes. from your child children's generation so would you consider you uh, yourself as a part of the arab diaspora somehow uh, i consider myself as being part of uh, different things that De- um definitely african uh Having been born uh, in Somalia, I left Somalia when I was like very little. My parents moved to Egypt when I was about, I think, five, six or something like that, or five, five even. Uh, uh, but also, I relate very strongly to my Arab heritage through my uh, my grandfather, who was a Yemeni who immigrated to Somalia many, many, many years ago, married a Somali woman, and then had my father, and always wanted to come go back to his country one day. But he didn't, uh, and 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 then um, I I lived in Egypt for a long time. I, I grew up there. I worked there. I had my son there, um, and I worked a lot with. Uh, when the civil war happened in Somalia, a lot of my family members became refugees, uh, even close family members. I lost some family members in the war, as well, and we moved and we scattered all over the place. Uh, I had a, a cousin, uh, many who ended up everywhere in the world, <laughs> typical of a diaspora. So uh, I 
would say I'm African, I'm an Arab. Um, I also relate to uh, my, uh, my family who come from America and from Finland. Uh, and it's, I, I relate to all these, mostly uh, I'm, I'm an African and, American, and an Arab, an African and an Arab both. Yes. It's also interesting to hear like through your family background and family history how uh, the d- d- different peoples have already always mixed and also with regard to the names how like Somali names are a lot Arab names and how this region uh, peoples have intersected a lot uh, like throughout history but uh, in relation to that and in relation to your own identity how do, how do you see that that um, africanness or blackness i don't know how you want to call it is seen in the middle east or north africa or in the yeah. egyptian context whatever you like to speak about yeah identity i think is a complex thing you know um very complex things and i think it's always also related to the issue of migration you know and people having to move from one place to the other which has been happening from way back you know right of the history of humankind so uh, to answer that question i'll start with a little uh, you know i'll t- take you back first from with uh, from the family story like my f- uh, grandfather was a yemeni who as i, as I said moved to somalia and married a Somali woman. And then when my father was growing up, uh, and uh, and later on when he married my mom, a Somali woman, and, and then, um, but often he had issues in Somalia uh, because he was considered sort of like, oh, sometimes he was referred to as an Arab in, in a derogatory way. You know, he saw himself as both. And my father was from the very early generation who... Uh, Uh, play the role in the, you know, in the independent movement and st- starting a, a, a modern independent Somalia. And, you know, he was that from that early generation who were very much nationalistic, and, you know, and so he never saw a contradiction between the two. He was an Arab, proud of it. He was a Somali. He, he was, uh, you know, he was one of the early generation who was in the military, who uh, built the You know, he and his generation, anyway, and and he was a judge, and 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 so on. Uh, but the, but there was that that you're an Arab, you're not really a Somali, you know. And when we were in Egypt, and I grew up in Egypt, uh, there was these. Um, kind of like it was kind of like contextual so in Egypt also is very interesting because sometimes Egypt there was it'll be this emphasis on being a part of the Arab world but other times being different from we are Egyptians we are not Arabs you know and then also being part of Africa but we are not also Africans and there's racism everywhere as we know everywhere right in the world you know human beings had to deal with that uh, so on some level I feel I I didn't feel like an outsider. I, you know, I grew up there. I knew the language. I had a lot of very good friends. I had interesting experiences. But in other ways, um, uh, they, they, that was there, you know. Uh, and and I didn't go there as a refugee. That that's a big difference, you know. I my family moved there. My father was working there as a diplomat, so I grew up there. And and so, but sometimes there will be these these references, you know, like sometimes in the street and sometimes like um, with my, uh, some of my friends, we would be in their family's place and then 
then there would be this occasion that a, a newborn baby and and then you know so there be these references to oh my god she's too dark <laughs> you know it's not really pretty you know or and often done very innocently very very innocently while i'm right there standing right there um so there were these things like i remember when i was a teenager they we were they were showing the roots if you remember you guys yes. you might not remember you are from a much I've younger seen that. generation <laughs> but i'm sure so we would walk in the street and you know people sometimes say would say oh fanta fanta conta quinte you know oh, yeah. things like that mm. so there were there were these things and then often this idea that beauty is white and you know and although you know Egypt also has uh, different kinds you know there are the Nubians and the Egyptians you know it's not like Egypt Egyptians identify themselves as white but what I'm saying is there were these things but what I want to highlight is 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 that also it um, it was kind of like uh, it was there but it was um, uh, I don't know what the word is it's not institutional it's not uh, but uh, but it's there mm. and you see it in these contexts now later on when i was doing research with refugees there it was much more noticeable but again it was complex because then here now you had the overlap of race and class yes. and, and and legal status so you had refugees somalis and sudanese uh, who were having it really tough but um, and very poor and and then although they were some of them recognized as refugees others asylum seekers but egypt had placed certain reservations on the un uh, it signed the UNCR 1952 convention, but it replaced, replaced certain reservations. So students, refugees had trouble working. Some of these reservations had to do with work and education and so on. So I used to do a lot of ethnographic work in areas where refugees were. And they had a lot of struggles. And, and sometimes these struggles, um, marginalization on several levels. And sometimes you'd see these newspaper articles about, oh, we're, having, we're being invaded by these you know, Black Sea of refugees. So there, it had racial overtones as well as uh, criminals and so on. But at the same time, it was complex because at the same time, there was also affinity, particularly with refugees of Muslim background, in that case, Somalis, mm. right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, but at, at the same time, in some very poor neighborhoods, there were a lot of Egyptians who themselves were completely marginalized because they couldn't get the services that they were entitled to as citizens. And then in my work, I saw uh, solidarity. So I saw sometimes uh, refugees and very poor Egyptians forming some kind of informal businesses and starting a, like a computer shop and a little cafe in these very poor urban areas just to make a living. So what I want to say is that it was a complicated picture. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, there was these marginalizations that the refugees felt and some of it had racial aspect to it. But on the other hand, poor Egyptians themselves were struggling. And you also had these experiences very, uh, I thought, was very uh, uplifting where you saw people who are really struggling, whether Egyptians and refugees on a daily basis, just to get the basic rights that they're entitled to, whether they are as citizens or as refugees. But then again, uh, together struggling, um, forming a solidarity and starting these small businesses trying to uh, make a living. So I saw these different kinds of things. So it was never black and white. No, That's no. a long answer <laughs> yeah it's good that you brought these intersections but uh, uh, how i have always perceived the egyptian uh perspective also on on 
on these like race and skin color questions is sometimes or a lot of the times uh, whiteness is somehow attached to um, the elite or the ruling class or or um, mm. uh, the power and then the darker your skin is the less you have power in a sense so that's kind of the overtone that has been I think a lot in yeah this. Yeah, I think there's truth to that, Mona. Yeah. And of course, Egypt is changing a lot, like everywhere in the world. So it would be also interesting to just talk to young people now, especially after 2011 and the uprising. And um, you, there's so much going on in terms of how people are questioning things. So it would be also fascinating to ha- have a look at it. But I also want to note that this uh, there's always also reverse racism and racism in every color. So like in Somalia, as probably you, uh, you two probably know about this, there's a, there was a, there's a lot of racism against uh, certain uh, minority tribes and certain, you know, like the Bantus, for example, you know, and that uh, very much so for a long history. And, and I've also known some distant relatives of mine, and this is common, you know, that would have... Um, it was a common attitude uh, would say oh yeah no you can't marry a bantu they're really you know they're ex-slaves or you know their and you know their their ancestors are ex-slaves and things like that and and really uh, take on a very racial racist discourse very yeah. racist so we this is something we struggle with among the somalis um, i i think everywhere and and I think, and then, but one part about Middle East that is a bit problematic, and among Somalis, although I think in in the diaspora we are facing that bit more, is that often we say this problem of racism exists in the states, exists in Europe. We don't have that. That's their problem. We have nothing. We don't have that problem. We have, of course, we can't equate everything. They are different, but we we have it, and we. I don't think we still could do a lot more to own up to it and talk about it openly. And what do you think the solution would be? What's the first step? Because I feel uh, there's a lot of denial like you mentioned like it's just not it's not recognized as something that exists or uh you get these defensive very defensive replies and then the conversation kind of stops right there so what would be the way to move forward um i think we need to i mean what you guys are doing right now is brilliant having much more open conversations about it you know and if the more people you can bring into these kinds of conversations the better that we we talk about it and uh uh, and, and um and, and also, uh, uh, it, it's the books that we teach to kids, at, at, you know, and the pictures, you know, like what kind of people do you see in ads? You know, who are the people you see in ads everywhere? You know, like like in Egypt sometimes, and even my, even my, my Egyptian friends even pick up on that. You know, like if you see pictures of bra- blonde people, blue light people as the people that are advertising the house, the nice house you're supposed to buy, or they want you, they want... They want they are selling it to you 
uh, and here also in Finland as it's becoming more multi-ethnic who so sometimes I, I think lately few years a uh, few months ago was it a few months or maybe a year ago I started seeing as of very uh, very diverse kinds of Finns and I was really happy about that so the more I think the people on the TV the ads the books we t- our students uh, read in and the schools especially stories that kids read the images that they are um, that we grow up with like you know you know who are the people that surrounding us the more it's diverse i think uh, the better you know I, I, the more chances we have and i used to think also and uh, also i think we need to have also a very honest conversation about uh, multiculturalism and you know because sometimes you know we also celebrate it and we we don't uh, own the uh, the problems like you know um, i always thought like uh, coming from different cultures oh this is nice this is privilege this is i still do you know i think it having been part of different uh, cultures and you know i i think there's something to learn from that something enriching but it's not straightforward and it's not easy you know and sometimes people want to box you uh and people say you're not enough of that I'm sure you both relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've experienced. <laughs> I've experienced that myself, and my son definitely experienced it. You know, like oh, you're not just not enough Somali or not enough African, not enough Arab. You are sort of in between. You know, you're uh, you're diluted, and so there's that problem as well. Yeah, you touched that essentialist thinking that that something has to be somehow or is considered so pure and it has to you have to kind of live up to that pure pureness norm or something and yeah. then people are so much more complex than we True. and so we want that to be more mm. so yeah yeah uh, and also i was thinking about the language also how, what language what terms we use and how those use uh, those terms categorize us And so language is kind of uh, still comes short of the reality in a yeah. way. And, True. And, uh, and in Arabic, I don't, there's all kinds of terms that are referred to, for example, sub-Saharan African people and like, and what are considered like, <laughs> and are there new terms and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Lang- language is, 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 is uh, definitely part of the situ of, of of the problem as well as the solution mm. you know of changing because that's how we articulate how we feel you know and it's um it's loaded you know it can it there's so much you could do with language mm. right yeah and, and it labels people it boxes people it right away it puts you in a certain uh, mm. place yep How do you see this whole thing in the Finnish context, like with regard to like people from different places, and then we have this colorism aspect of people uh, being black and brown, and and how uh, people are treated here? Yeah, uh, I mean, um, I, I I had some share of it. I don't know if it was because I'm African or I don't I, or African Arab or or because I'm a Muslim. I don't know. I had some experiences of of being, uh, but nothing compared to uh, many of the experiences I've heard from people that I've worked with in my research. Because certainly, the privilege of working in a university that shields you 
you know so you work with colleagues who are uh, very enlightened who are committed to the same goals as uh, you know uh, and and it's a, and, and and it's it's also you have students so it's, it's a community it's a kind of community where people are thinking and want to so it's 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 a very different place you know from being out there in the society and i am very much aware of that you know but I'm talking about experiences like on the subway, on um, like one time I was going to this presentation somewhere that I was supposed to give in a building and a woman living there, you know, was coming out and, and was quite vocal about racism, you know, and, um, you know, and then some, some very racist and hate mail that I get sometimes uh, since I've started the, working and teaching you know islamic theology and islamic studies and so on uh but i i think in finland to i don't i to, um now it's more but you tell me more because i think you also you guys are you know you are very i, I feel like you're uh, uh, through your roles you're more uh, in tune also with different sectors of the society through your work i feel here it's more about, uh, uh, on the one hand, it's more about uh, Muslims. What do we do with Muslims? So there's that. Uh, what do we do? Or also, how can the fin Finnish Muslims be part of the society? And are we doing enough or not? Okay, you know, different mm -hmm. kinds of conversations, some mm -hmm. constructive, not con some constructive. But there's that Muslim thing, mm -hmm. big Muslim question. And I've, I've followed some of the questions about, um, you know, uh, uh, racism and anti-racism, right? But I'm not sure we have the nuances about uh, Afro-Arabs and people who are different. I don't think we as Finnish society are there, maybe because uh, these other things are, are, are more larger issues. Or, yeah, so, or, or maybe I haven't, uh, I haven't been tuned to it yet, these, you know, so I, I don't feel like there's... Uh, conversation necessarily about people with multiple identities maybe that's not a priority which is fine also i think it's starting like the conversations are starting because i think the the uh, the way in which we kind of came around this whole conversation on anti-blackness in arab communities or middle eastern north african communities was that the the generation of our parents mm were maybe more vocal about, you know, well, but we're not black, we are yes. brown, and there's yeah. this difference and that difference, and, you know, th this kind of, like, these nuances. And then we were kind of trying to reject it, telling our parents, telling our fathers that, you know what, as a mixed person, you get racialized as a black person, as a Somali, as this and that, and you can... As Roma people. As Roma people, <laughs> as a Latina, and all of these things. And, you know, we can't really afford to... <laughs> to have these kinds of notions because we live almost in a different world than our immigrant fathers yeah. who came here in the 80s. So it's there, I think, but it's very okay. small. And then at the same time, it's a very difficult conversation because this country is so small and there are yeah. so few brown and black people in the country. Yeah. So yeah. there's always yeah. this, like, should we be, uh, should there be like a solidarity? Can we touch upon 
complex issues or if we start talking about the difficult stuff, will it tear everybody apart and there's going to be right. like a civil war type of situation where right. everything right. everything will just fall apart. Yeah. And you are right that it's generational, definitely, the, mm. the, what you said. And yeah, and maybe it's organic. It, it's, it, it has to take its course and, and you know, and it has to do also with what issues are, are much more pressing. Mm. Yeah, and also that the discussions here are are um, affected by the discussions in in the countries where, for example, our parents are, are from, and how yeah. how race is perceived in that context as well. They echo here yeah. mm. a yeah. lot, and how we can that's like, true <laughs> uh, live in this situation also, and they take into consideration of this rather unnuanced uh, situation in Finland still. And yeah. So yeah. But uh, would, wouldn't you say like the younger generation uh, can can do a lot in terms of shifting the, the, the you know the terms of the debate or the conversation? Would you say that they they could do that? You know, since they're thinking about it is different. Of course, mm-hmm. one shouldn't also homogenize the younger generation. There. I'm sure that there is more discussion or it it will happen and I think already happens yeah and uh, just because of the sheer diversity that is already present much more than in my generation for example and so I would say yeah and even when I'm looking at our kids who are like younger than 10 years old they have they're pretty good at these nuances of like Okay, so my mom is brown, but I'm like this, and then I have a friend who's like of the African diaspora. They know, they can understand the differences of like how things affect their friends. I think mm. I feel like at least, and I feel like the children are actually having these little conversations even <laughs> sometimes among themselves. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's heartwarming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. you know who knows what this conversation yeah. would look like 15 years from now. Yeah, and absolutely. That- Mm-hmm. And also that the connotations of being a brown and black are t- totally changing. They're not the same as they used to be, for example. Even when when we were younger. Yeah. yeah. And how so? Like, what would you say? In, uh, what differences are now, you noticing? Now you're interviewing us. <laughs> <laughs> you're a curious researcher. <laughs> yeah, I, I, maybe I was just thinking in relations relation to how muslims are perceived like mm. that that's like a very um h- harsh stigma in the finnish context mm. and so like it happens also in the uh, the us context that like uh, brown men try to be like bra- uh, black men like with that rap uh, scene or hip hop scene so maybe mm. they're more like accepting and embracing the differences or not the differences but like the different Um, cultural backgrounds and religious backgrounds as well that you don't have to hide it. That's yeah. the thing I think yeah. which is changing. I hope so. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, uh, Finland is definitely changing, you know, and um, definitely becoming more diverse. I mean, demographically, racially, uh, you know, and religiously. So. Um, uh, And, and that's that change is going on. So uh, there's a lot of reckoning to be done. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so I, it's 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 inevitable to have to grapple with these issues. Yeah, and, and th- we are seeing that in the research as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's important to research and also know about the history. 
That's true. Yeah. Yeah, the, I agree. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mulki, so much for this discussion. Would you like to have added something, or is it fine like this? Um, no, I mean, I think it's an important discussion, you know, and um, uh, I, I I think what we need is more reflection on it, you know, like, and and to stay away from binaries, the binary, you know, and like, on the one hand, uh, and like, uh, polar positions, you know, like, all the, all celebrating, um, uh, you know, like, multiple identities, but not without really uh, fessing up to the challenges, you know, uh, that we talked about some of it now, uh, or the other way around, you know, like uh, this understanding of like, okay, there's um, uh, a pure thing and you need to be in there or that or that, a pure category. Um, yeah, and and so uh, I, I think that's extremely, extremely important. And I think the work needs to be done. One thing that is not easy, often is not easy to hear, uh, definitely the uh, majority uh, groups in society need to be educated about this right particularly in uh, but i think these are conversations and we said this among the three of us now these are conversations that we need to have within our communities within our communities there's work to be done within our communities whether with you know the older generation or among the younger one because we uh, there's a, um, a lot of exclusion that takes place within our communities. And although, you know, like, um, there, now there are real forms of, uh, uh, you know, hegemonies of, you know, of whether it's capitalism or whether it is uh, uh, kind of like uh, certain kinds of um, uh, white supremacy and, and, you know, and right-wing culture, uh, real extremism that we're seeing now, unfortunately, in Europe and in America and, you know, and authoritarianism. These are real challenges. And often it's it's people who are black and brown who are, are the receiving end of it, uh, you know. So these are real challenges. But at the same time, I think we, we need to be very aware and honest about the work the exclusions that we do within our own local communities. It's its true, it is happening, and the sooner we own up to it and do the work, the better for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mulki. Thank you for having me. This is one of my favorite poems, The Guest House by Rumi, Jalalitin Rumi. So I'm going to share it with you. It goes like this. It's famous, so maybe some of you already know it. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond.
Kiitos Jaksomedialle studiosta ja Nora Saedille sarjan visuaalisesta maailmasta. Kiitos Ruskeatytöt medialle alustan tarjoamisesta keskustelulle. Kiitos myös Suomen kulttuurirahastolle apurahasta. Jatketaan keskustelua Ruskeatytöt median somekanavissa hashtagillä Parfyymin tuulahdus.